Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, John, I sure am happy that uh, we decided on Tuesday that we were going to record on Wednesday this week because, uh, well, we've been around this team for a number of years. We've done our share of training camps and practice reports and all that, and stuff tends to happen on day one after a bye week, especially one after a couple of losses to teams that the Riders need to beat. And you had the feeling that some changes were on the horizon, but, oh boy, these since. <laughs> My head, like, right now is just spinning with everything that has gone on from the John Carter release to the Rob Bag signing to everything that's evolved about that Rob Bag signing, too, that I don't even know how much we're going to get into in this episode besides those two things, but I know for sure that if had we recorded on Tuesday like normal, um, yep. I would have been calling you again today and saying, uh... We need to do another podcast because way too much has happened to wait a week, <laughs> and there would have been a day. I, I, I feel like I feel like Joel. We almost need to splice in a good old fashioned Bob Cole. Everything is happening, more or less. Yeah, one or two of those, and it's also good we didn't record yesterday, or maybe not. I had taken some new allergy medication that reacted poorly with some medication I'm already on. And next thing you knew, I was a complete space cadet for the entire day. Like, I had about eight cups of coffee at work, and I, I, I don't know how I made it through the day. Like, like things just didn't work, so it could have been some really interesting takes from me. It could have been like, well, Deron Carter is gone, but that's because the moon is lined up with Jupiter at this time of year. Well, you might have been on the same wavelength as Deron Carter at times. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> It wasn't, wait, 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 it wasn't that kind of drugs, it was just allergy meds, it uh-huh. wasn't, whoa, man, chill, brah. I'm sure you really weren't that far off, though, in uh, the grand scheme of things, though. It, it, no, you're you're absolutely correct, and uh, yet I was signing legal paperwork yesterday, I probably shouldn't bring that up, probably shouldn't, but here I am, and we don't like to edit. 
No, editing is not our friend, and uh, probably good that we didn't do it yesterday, because if you were on such medications, I probably couldn't have asked you this question, John. Uh, what's in the glass this week? Well, just with this week in mind, I mm. saved one of my delicious craft beer presents from last week that I alluded to. Yes. This time, it is Lake of the Woods out of Kenora, Ontario, Blueberry Ale. That's right. Mm-hmm. It is a ale with blueberry. And normally I'm not into the fruity, funky stuff. I'm pretty, give me an IPA, give me something creative, maybe a little citrus. But this blueberry ale from Lake of the Woods, again, uh, some of the craft beers I got from my home region of Canada, northwestern Ontario, I can tell you this is it's smooth with a little bit of fruit, just enough of a flavor that you know you're drinking something blueberry. It's very delicious. I think what I should do is next time I get some, though, Obviously, I can't tonight because I'll have it gone by the time the podcast is over. What I should do is do an experiment like you did with the uh, milk stout and put the blueberry ale on vanilla ice cream. Make a little blueberry ale Sunday. See how it works, Mr. Craft Beer Guy. That would probably work a lot better than putting it in Cheerios like like I did with with a peanut butter milk stout. So <laughs> Cause there, are, there are certainly beer combinations where you can uh, pour it onto some ice cream and make, or even just make a float out of it, and uh, it tastes pretty tasty. Uh, for me, I'm going back to kind of a summer standby for me right now, a uh, little Nokomis summer kettle sour in the fridge. So uh, just keeping it nice, light, and tart today because, well, it's what I had in the fridge, and I didn't really feel like spending any more money today, to be frankly. <laughs> Fair, fair enough. I also had to go to the fridge because uh, I bought a lot of our title sponsor, Pile of Bones, for a Sunday fun day at my uh, boss's house. We had a little pool, family pool party, and there was a overreaching adult-to-child ratio. So needless to say, the uh, Pile of Bones went down real smooth on Sunday. Yeah, I can tell you that uh, my Pile of Bones session ale went down real nice on Saturday when I was outside. Basically all day in uh, that that lovely 41-degree heat uh, playing in a ball tournament, so (laughs) that that left me a little uh, space cadetty as well at the end of that day. That was, I don't even know, I don't even know how I got through that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm just impressed you're not dead. I think I might be talking to the ghost of Joel, so ghost Joel, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad to see that you can still bring things together and talk in the podcast, or... Am I just still tripping off the allergy medication and making this all up in my head? I don't know. Is this the point where you wake up and it was all a dream? Whoa. Anyway. <laughs> nope. Nope. I think there. Still here. Yeah, that's. Still here. There's too much to get to uh, today that that's probably enough uh, silliness to open today's show. And we're going to go all the way back to Saturday when all of this sort of strange, weird turn of events started to happen. And it was, in the, of course, in the middle of the Red Blacks-Alouettes game that word started to break from Jerron Carter himself that he had been released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Riders PR guy Ryan Pollock eventually confirmed it, and the team sent out the official release not too long after that because, you know, Saturday nights during another football game is, you know, standard time to be releasing mm, totally. such information. And so totally not a news dump at all. And... So that whole thing was weird enough, and so much has happened since then that I don't even know how much we really need to get into Duran Carter at this point, because a lot has been said. And John, I know there's something you want to get to on this front, so I'm going to let you do that. For me, the release 
like ever like a lot of other things Chris Jones has done and the way this roster has evolved in a vacuum to me I get it there is mm. there is certainly issues there are certainly situations where Duran Carter can be a bit much from everything we've heard and so I can understand right. without him getting into specifics because he didn't have to but his at his press conference he should have given a little more than he did but that's another topic and so what makes me what really makes it re- so in a vacuum it was just it makes sense I get that but big picture it's just another you know there's something didn't add up and I just I just don't know because he talked about the change of direction again in his press conference. And they've had so many changes of direction. It's like that piece of art with the stairs everywhere, Relativity, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Because I'm such a cultured person. Um, it's, they've Literally, had so I'm many changes. I, I admit, I had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear the in the background. I had the page open, but I had to Google it to... Uh, remember what that what it was called <laughs> i remember that it existed so at least i had some kind of cultured reference for that and mm-hmm. so there's again this change in direction and there's been so many changes in directions under this team that i just don't really know what's going on in there anymore i don't know and you said it last week i don't know if chris jones knows what's going on anymore and what really stuck out to me because well, rewind a little bit when everyone knew this happened, there was a camp of people who were blaming Jerron Carter. There was a camp of people who were blaming Chris Jones. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle in terms of how this mm-hmm. played out. And both parties are equal to blame. You could say there are very fine people on both sides here. And, you know, so that's kind of how it fell. But then there was the Q&A that Jerron Carter had with Justin Dunk, our boy JD, on Three Down Nation. And there was mm-hmm. some interesting quotes on there. If you hadn't had a chance to read it yet, it's up there still. His little Q and A, and I'm paraphrasing at this point. I'm kind of you know summarizing what Deron Carter said to JD. But there was just a couple of spots in there that really stood out to me. And it was he started talking about how some of the coaches on defense reached out to him to say thanks and you know, to talk to him a little bit. Nobody on offense did. Not a soul. Yep. And then, yep. so Dunk followed up with another question about, you know, is there different cultures on offense than there is defense? Essentially, it wasn't quite that frank, but that's kind of the gist I think he's trying to get at. And in a roundabout way, Carter basically admitted it feels like to me, with or without him in the locker room, there are two distinct teams in that locker room. There is a defense where you are allowed to be yourself. As long as you come to work, you work hard, you play hard, you know, you, you follow everything that Chris Jones says defensively you need to do. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. It's all good in the hood. If you're on offense, there is very formulaic. You have to follow, you know, you can't say anything. You got to do this, got to do that. It seems very, very strict. And I was just like, what? What? Yeah. Like, I understand that. Yeah. In, I'm sure in every football locker room, there is little distinctions between what goes on in defensive meetings and offensive meetings. I'm not that naive. But this seems so far, like, there's like a Grand Canyon between the two sides that I'm just like, no wonder this team isn't having much success. That's no way, whether you're a professional sports organization or a real business, or a bad business even, you can't succeed like that. And it comes back to something we've talked about a million times on this podcast is that Chris Jones simply, I think, and I've thought this for a while, he's just wearing too many hats because he's so involved in what's going on on defense. 
as the defensive coordinator, and no one really knows where Ed Philly on the defensive line coach is at this point. And so he's so involved there, he's so involved there, he's so involved in scouting, he's so involved in GM, that it feels like, at least from the outside, based on what Jerron Carter said, and that's really all we can go off of, and maybe he's stretching the truth a little bit, but Jerron's also been pretty truthful during his time mm-hmm. in, in the CFL, so I tend to believe him. And so it's there's a, and so Chris Jones is basically it feels like to me he can't keep up with the overall kind of head coaching duties which is trying to cohesively bring this group together. Yeah. I would agree. Uh you and I have always been in agreement that he is is wearing far too many hats. Now the thing I find interesting about it all especially when he mentions the feedback. This rider defense and it's funny, like, when Duran is mentioning that, you know, the defense lets you be yourself, it's more relaxed, you know, maybe that's the kind of team you have. Maybe that's the personalities in the room. And at least on the field, this rider defense continues to do very good things. Mm-hmm. Your offense sucks. It's not good. No. <laughs> it's not been good the entire season. Now, I know when I suck. I ask for help. I look internally. I try to figure out what's going wrong, whether it be a golf swing, a slow pitch swing, whatever. And I listen to feedback, and maybe that's what they should be doing and not running a dictatorship. Now, the other thing I found interesting about that interview was he alluded to that game in Edmonton, that he spoke out against the way, you know, at halftime he was frustrated because Mm -hmm. he wasn't getting involved in the offense at all. As every star receiver in the history of football has done, by the way. Absolutely. Like, this is not an ego thing. Any any guy that wants the ball that doesn't get it. And I thought he came across it the right way. Now, the, the thing I find very interesting is is he's coming out and saying, this this game plan was me and name and me and name and me and name and me and name and, and it just wasn't there. So let's connect the dots. Does this mean... Deron Carter did not sound like a happy employee on his way out the door. He obviously was not happy with the way that the offense was going. And now he's getting Naaman Roosevelt involved. And that, you know, brings me to think, and maybe hot take alert here, Joel, is Naaman Roosevelt maybe the next one to go? If things continue on a downward slide, is he maybe the next one shipped out the door in a trade? He's been a little quiet this year. And again, having Deron Carter and the team, you know, you're going to be, and I mean quiet from an interview vocalization standpoint, but it just seems odd that he's named name and Roosevelt by name when talking about the frustrations of being with this team on offense. I mean, dictatorships don't work. That's been proven time and time again. And it's starting to sound like, you know, we've criticized Jones for maybe being a bit of a dictator, but is it Stephen McAdoo that's being the dictator? And perhaps holding a little bit of this offense back by, you know, fracturing this room and going against the defense and the loosey-goosiness and the whole attitude of the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, there's certainly an interesting culture on offense is yeah. what it sounds like. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go that far. Um, whether it's Chris Jones approved or not, I don't know. I think the, the difference in the culture defensively and offensively definitely speaks to the difference in how they're playing on the field. Now, maybe part of what's going on defensively is because of how bad they've been. 
that you tend to seize up a little bit as coaches, especially when things are going wrong. The defense is playing great, so, you know, they're all loosey-goosey, they're having fun on offense, nothing's working, so everyone's on edge right now, so maybe, maybe, I'm willing to admit that maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. It certainly doesn't look good from an outsider's perspective right now, it's Ryan Carter saying what he said, but maybe it's just a little more circumstantial considering just how piss-poor the offense has been. Well, well, exactly. But again, you look at Deron Carter's gone now. Bakari Grant is gone now. Rob Bag was gone. And we'll get more into that in a little bit here. But you're starting to wonder, are, are, like, are these guys that should be contributing on offense, like, what's, what's going on here? What's the mismatch? What's, what's the common denominator that two guys who were both all-star caliber last year in Grant and Carter and a very serviceable Canadian receiver all of a sudden gone mm-hmm. you know it, it just something strikes me I'm with you something strikes me as being off now back to the whole Carter the whole Carter thing this is a guy that by all accounts and if you're reading everything was behaving himself in Regina pending some sort of dunk bomb of course guy was behaving himself guy put his head down he went to work they asked him to play defense he played defense that's to play offense to play offense. He wanted to play more offense to help the team because they were struggling. You know what you're getting with Deron Carter. An, uh, an a phenomenal amount of talent. But he's kind of a me first guy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for you to go out after a year and a half with this guy, Knowing what he was when you signed him, knowing what he was last year, knowing what he was this season, and yeah, change of direction. Change of direction. At the time in which your starting quarterback is finally healthy, and you finally pulled your own head out of your own ass and got your best offensive player playing offense again. It is just an aim directly at foot and fire kind of moment. I understand what a toxic personality can do in a locker room. Mm-hmm. There are those that are going to criticize me. Oh, you're never rabble, rabble, rabble. You're right. I'm not a professional football player. But I played a hell of a lot of sports growing up. I've been in a lot of different locker rooms in a lot of different places. And I can tell you, yeah, sometimes there's a guy who's a meat stick. But sometimes those meat sticks win you a lot of games. The fact that there doesn't seem to be such an egregious offense to let Deron Carter go because maybe you were tired of his act late into a bye week, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know who he is, you know who he's going to be, and what he brings to the team is what you desperately need on the field. That offense now ain't scaring anybody. And oh wait, you get Calgary than Winnipeg twice after you've already lost two in a row. Yeah, like, like, like yeah, that defense has the potential to win you games, but you got to get something going. There, and the there, riders, there's going to come the point, no matter how good a defense is. There's going to come a point in any season, no matter how good a defense is and how bad an offense is, the offense is going to have to win a football game for your team. It's just logic. Mm-hmm. At some point, the defense is going to have an off day because it's a long season and it's going to happen. And right now, if you were to say, oh, well, the off- I, I don't believe the offense can step up and win them a football game if they have to. No, 
And I think that was proven in their last game. Polaris is back. Now the teams, now if you're a defensive coordinator playing Saskatchewan, on offense, you take away Naaman Roosevelt. What else is there? I don't know. And there's, so, there's there's no there's no run game to speak of. <laughs> well, they did they did sign Cameron Marshall over the bye week, and he was pretty good last year. He so was. I no, will right. I will I will give them that that he he has probably more potential to be an effective player than probably any other running back they currently have on the roster. So I'm willing to give Cameron Marshall that shake because I think he's a guy that can certainly do something there. Yeah. No. No. And I I would agree. I wonder if he will be in game shape quick enough to play this Sunday against Calgary. I don't know. Because right now, now all of a sudden, Messam's gone for Messam's own fault. I mean, you had to let him go. He was an idiot. Um, <laughs> you've got your other guys. Your, I mean, the ball's going to Trey Mason all of a sudden for the entire game. Because that's all you're left with. Now, <laughs> and back to the Carter thing. And... The other thing that irritated me with this, and this has nothing to do with Deron Carter himself. And this is me speaking as an ex-media guy. And I took to Twitter on this. And I think I want to clarify my position. And I really got into it with CKRM, who again, is the rights holder for the Riders and makes an absolute ton of money off of the team. I got into it with Mitchell Blair. My point being that if you have this writer's organization doesn't seem to think highly of the media that covers it. There's been lots of times in my career where you'd make a reasonable interview request. He's not available. No, we can't talk on the last day of training camp. Can't even give you anybody, any an executive. Can't give you somebody from marketing on the phone on the last day of training camp where they leave Saskatoon just to do a fluff piece about leaving Saskatoon. The fact is, to call a news conference on a Sunday morning with less than 12 hours notice, to come out and say nothing, is a slap in the face of those that cover your team, of those that write about your team, of those that make the team what it is. Without those people, you don't have all the news articles, you don't have the discussions, you don't have the podcast. The lack of respect, and my point is, and this was what I was getting into it, I don't think there's a media person in the world, you and I are both ex-media people. Mm-hmm. If the writers released what Jones said in a statement on Sunday, said, Monday he'll meet you guys for an interview, 10 a.m. When a normal person's back to their work, they're not cutting their holiday short off of a bye week, not cutting their Sunday short. It's just, it is such, that move was so disrespectful. And whoever came up with it, be it Jones, be it the Riders, give your heads a shake. Show some respect for the people that cover this team. And I will stand behind my former Regina media brethren till I'm blue in the face on this one. Because nobody can, you can't bitch about it, because if you bitch about it, they're just not going to invite you. If they don't invite you, you can't cover the riders. And if you can't cover the riders, you don't have a job. Speaking of dictatorships, it's just that I don't know why that hurt me so much, Joel. It just did. <laughs> I, well, I think I think part of it was the content, too. 
um, if Chris Jones had came up with some sort of reasonable explanation on that day, you're probably not oh, for sure. not quite as irked. And to me, is the content really got to me? I understand everything what you're saying, and I don't disagree. Um, I'm just not really in a spot to get into it right now. But for me, it was just like to say something, to say something of some sort of substance. I don't think anyone is yeah. expecting you to air out all of the dirty laundry. That is certainly not no. what was expected. But if Chris Jones no. comes out and says something along the lines of we needed a chemistry change in our locker room or Deron Carter just wasn't a fit for us anymore or, you know, there was you know, there was a series of events that have happened over time and it was it was time, then, you know, okay, it's something more than just a change in direction. It's something of some sort of substance where you could read between the lines a little bit mm. and reasonably come to some sort of conclusion that it was like, okay, we don't know what goes on in the locker room, clearly enough has happened at this point where they decided that was it. And instead they You're right. and, and, instead and, they got and absolutely and then they, that they get it. that's fine, everyone moves on and like Chris Jones said today that's yesterday's news, then it would have been yesterday's news because you would have been like, "Oh, okay. That's fine." Yeah. And that that's all they had to do. But again, you know, Chris Jones and his dealings with the media sometimes leaves you scratching your head. Sometimes he's bloody brilliant, and sometimes you're just left scratching your heads. I just, I can't wrap around, I just can't understand sometimes what goes through his mind before he calls a press conference. Because, yeah, sometimes he's insightful, he says amazing things, and it seems like he's in a really good spot. And other times, it's just, what? And yeah, no. <laughs> another one of those, Absolutely right. what, situations came today, on Wednesday, as we oh, recorded yes. this podcast with the signing of Rob Bag. So... Of course, early this morning on Twitter, the rumblings were going wild because he's spotting on a plane going to Toronto and his bag is at the airport and some people were mad that they're invading privacy, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, eventually the writers announced that yes, Rob Bag had signed with the team. So this felt like, okay, this is a good PR moment for this team that desperately needed one after what had happened over the last few days. It's a feel-good story. Absolutely. Rob Bag is back after being cut early year. Redemption story. Everyone loves him. The fans finally have someone to cheer for again. And then Chris Jones steps to the microphone after practice and starts talking about some weird rule about how he could have been fined because he might not have spent the whole six-game injured list tenure because he was injured at the end of camp and they didn't want to face that fine. And I was just like, what? Number one, <laughs> right? I, n number one, like, I texted Dunk after this. I was like, I don't think anyone has ever heard of this rule, right? I was like, no, right. but I'm like, but it's not out of the realm of the possibility that, again, in some housekeeping rule the CFL made up a while ago and didn't bother to tell anyone outside of, like, the GMs. So, fine. Yeah. Maybe there was some kind of weird Eric Tillman rule now in effect that we didn't know about to prevent teams from stashing guys on the six-game injured list. That's right. fair. That could entirely be a thing. But then the more I thought about it, the more just how weird the whole thing felt. I was like, okay, so... Chris Jones is quoted after practice saying that his trainers thought it would be a three to four week injury. So apparently there's some kind of severity index into whether a guy can be put on the six game or not. I don't know. That's what, that's what I'm reading into it anyway. But And so, okay. So that's fine. Then why didn't you bring him back a few weeks ago? He could have played. Yes. He could have played three or four weeks into the season. No. Yes. He's just coming back now. Or okay. okay. Or... Okay, but clearly the injury was bad enough that he could have warranted being on the sixth game the whole time. And he could have yeah. played last game against Edmonton. No, he's coming back now in their eighth game of the season. So yes. it just it something just 
continued, continued, and continued to not add up. And it was Justin Dunk with the story, and I feel like I'm slobbering all over him today. But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I've been slobbering all over Dunk the whole time I've been on Twitter. The guy's the guy's an absolute beauty. So there's a story up right now in Three Down Nation. It says CFLPA disputes Ryder's version of events regarding cutting injured players. Because that was the other question I had. I was like, well, I'm pretty sure you can't just cut an injured player, especially a veteran. No. And yes. so the quote from CFLPA Executive Director Brian Ramsey to Justin Dunk says, The Saskatchewan Football Club is making it sound as if the player was released without repercussions when in fact the player was made whole for wage loss and medical coverage. That's standard fare. As the union for the players, we expect every team to respect and abide by the collective agreement. So this is more than just... So that is another side of the story now. So clearly something went on. Um, the team knew mm-hmm. he was hurt. I don't know. I know some reporters are looking into Rob whether Rob Bag filed a grievance earlier in the year or not. We don't have an answer on that yet, and it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he did so quietly because he's not the kind of guy who's going to grandstand about this. And so I don't know what is going on here. I'll be completely honest. There is a lot of different theories about what the heck is going on right now with this Rob Bag thing. But again, it all this whole can of worms stays closed. If Chris Jones just comes out and says, you know, we really just needed a little bit more leadership in our room. Rob Bag is that guy. I reached out to him. He came back. He says that, everyone's happy, and we move on with our lives. Instead, this whole other weird answer of some rule that I, I'm fairly certain none of us have ever heard of, all of a sudden opens up this whole other can of worms as to what the heck is going on around here. You know? No. You're absolutely right, and and the funny thing is, is I I hadn't uh, and and to pull back the curtain a little bit here. Uh, most of the time, I get off Twitter when I I kind of get home. I I stop reading news, and I might check it, you know, right before you and I record this. You basically said to me, "This raw bag thing got crazier." I'm like, "What? I I, I was eating tacos and doing dishes and playing with my son. What happened?" And you're like, "That's if you got." You were so discombobulated, but you're right. Like I, my initial take this morning was, okay, you're right. It's a PR move to bring back one of the most popular players in recent memory, who I believe I said when he was released, clearly still had a little something in the tank. I always said he's not the dominant near thousand yard guy he once was, but Canadian receiver that can play all around great guy. Everybody loves him. Fan favorite, right? And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, feels good. You know, this kind of, <laughs> it almost vindicates Joe. I mean, it puts a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm sure Jones has maybe putting his foot in his mouth a little bit considering, you know, his young man's game comment. It wouldn't be the first Again, coach to say something that he would later regret. Like, no, it's no, happened. It's mean, happened. It happens all the time. Exactly. So, I mean, even I, I don't think there was any reaction. It was almost like people were kind of, you know, the, that line kind of became a bit of a, a bit of a joke, and, and I don't yeah. mean in a in a bad way. Kind of a oh yeah, young man's game, bags back, ha ha ha. Nice to see him back, right? And it is, it's great. If Rob Bag is healthy enough to play, I'm a fan of Rob Bag being on 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 the turf. But you're right, this is just weird. This is just, and even you're you're right. Like you could have just come out and said, we need a guy like Rob Bag here. We need Canadian depth. We need leadership. Yep. Perfect. There's your quote. 
Everybody feels good. You have a nice little spark heading into your matchup against Calgary. But instead, there's, as you mentioned, there's just, there's something fishy to it. And just like the Duran card, it's just, it's a fishy week mm-hmm. for the riders as a whole. I'm waiting on a dunk bomb on the Duran Carter thing so we can find out what the hell happened because obviously something happened. Now, CKRM's Michael Ball says he has sources that there was another fight with teammates. And I, I respect Ballsy. I have no reason to not believe whoever his source is. I've, which was that he... Now, he would admit that it wasn't the final straw. He doesn't know if it's the final straw or not, so that's completely mm-hmm. fair. But there's no reason not to believe him. So something along some lines happened for sure. Yeah, and that is one thing. Ballsy's not a guy, you know, following him for a long time on Twitter. He's a guy I respect. Um, longtime sideline reporter, longtime part of that writer's broadcast. And he's not a guy that throws noise out there on Twitter. No. You know, he's, he's not he's like you a on guy this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I, that, that is exactly what I was alluding to. I, <laughs> I kind of have some fun coming up with hot takes that we get to prove horribly, horribly wrong. But Ballsy's accuracy when he throws something out there. It's almost like when uh, Dwayne Ford came back from a year off of Twitter yeah. to say he was getting picked first overall. It's like Ballsy drops something and it's like, oh, all right, that makes sense. Again, that would have gone back to the line being there may have been several incidents that led to Duran going out the door, but instead there's this something hanging over it. Nobody's talking about it. And now what should have been the feel-good story of Rob Bag is back, Bag's healthy to play. His ankle's better. Is now okay, but did you cut an injured player, which you can't do? And obviously, his injury was bad enough that you could have just put him on, on the six game. Or alternatively, there wouldn't have been any harm to probably just put him on the one game four or five times. You know, there is that other injured list. Yeah. I know the cap ramifications are different. Well, but pay- it's just... They paid him anyway. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. At the end of the day, according to the CFLPA, you could have kept him around and kept one-gaming him because at the end of the day, it's the same thing. He got his medical, he got his rehab costs covered and he got paid. So it's just... it's it's. I hate to say it, Joel. Especially with the team looking good and a couple of those losses to the Alberta clubs. Mm-hmm. I have this feeling of dread that this season could go off the rails, not only on the field, Mm -hmm. but in spectacular fashion off the field. Yeah. I think there's some stuff bubbling behind the scenes, and I think it's starting to boil over. And I think when some of that stuff comes out, people will have a different way of looking at this current regime i mean again there's just a lot of stuff that should have been behind the scenes that's now coming out and being openly discussed that is odd and it sounds like there's potentially more yeah and again this is it's all a reoccurring theme basically of this episode where it just all comes back to chris jones in my opinion having too much too soon because i I've, I've been thinking about it this way lately he's an elite level defensive coordinator. If he yes. if he retired tomorrow and we're talking five years from now, 
he then the if you can make the argument for a builder, he could go into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame as a defensive coordinator. If there is a defensive yes. coordinator wing of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, in my opinion, Chris Jones is in there. He is yes. a very good head coach. He's probably not yes. quite as good of a head coach as he is a DC, but he's still a very good head coach who's capable of winning you a great cup. Yes. I don't I don't think he's a good general manager. I'm, I'm no. s- senior v- VP football ops. Same thing. Doesn't matter. Especially when, but, and he's certainly not all four at once. No. Maybe he could be a no. GM if he had a senior VP of football ops above him, kind of guiding him through the process. Maybe he could be a good yes. GM if he wasn't the head coach and DC as well. I don't know. Yes. It all comes back to the original point that there's, I think, I think he's in over his head and there's this too much going on. And, Yes. I, I want to bring a little bit of a conversation I had with a friend this week. This was after the draw on Carter cut, and it was an interesting point as well. And he said, and I'm quoting here, it's more than just Carter. The fans are angry because they have no one to cheer for. No player win or lose to be their favorite. You have a coach, GM, VP, and a president that don't do public appearances for a community-owned team. It is being treated as a privately-owned team, and so the only judgments are wins and losses, and that has been the drizzling bleeps. That word starts with an S. I can let you decide what that means. <laughs> and I was like, you that know what? Is, uh, that is a damn yeah. good point. Because, and I, I understand coaches and GMs are busy and they cannot make the appearances that the players do. But at the same time, other than like the press conferences he has to do, when do you ever see Chris Jones out in the community pretending to even care at all about the city or the province? Does he still... Does he still live in a hotel? As far as I know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that for sure, though. But I mean, too. I mean, I know for a fact well into our last season of covering camp, which would have been the first Chris Zone season. Um, well into the season, the guy still lived in a hotel. How can you integrate yourself in a community? And I don't expect him to uproot his wife and kids from his hometown. No. But how can you integrate yourself while you, you live in a hotel? You live out of a suitcase. Like, rent, rent a house. Go, get spotted at the local Tim Hortons. Like, just... Like, you're right. It, it's, it is highly unusual. And, and maybe that is a sign of a man that has no life because he's brought on way too much. Yep. You know, CFL coaches are a full-time job. CFL GMs are a full-time job. Defensive coordinators are a full-time job. When guys this doing four. Yeah. When guys like John Huffnagel and Wally Buono, who did both for a while, are coming out and saying now, no, in today's game, I, I can't do both anymore. And granted, they're a little yeah. older than Chris Jones, but if, they, if Wally Buono feels he can't do both, and if John Huffnagel feels he can't do both anymore, age aside... Yeah. That's a sign to me. Yeah, I would agree. So, I, I, and it, there's there's no out here. There's like there's no out because if you look at Chris Jones's assistants, I don't know who takes over is in any other capacity. I I don't think he, he's not going to give up GM duties like that. So, whatever happens the rest of this season is what's going to determine the future of this franchise. Because last year Chris yep. Jones signed the one year extension. So he's covered through the end of next year. There's hardly a ringing endorsement. So yeah. whatever goes on here, this is all on him now. And I get that. I'm like you. 
And if they get the feeling that things are very easily could go sideways very fast here, especially now with the BC Lions looking like a semi-competent football team the last few weeks, all of a sudden yeah. what looked like a slam dunk at least crossover spot is very much in doubt right now. Yes. Well, and, and like I said, you, you're 0-2 in the toughest part of your five-game stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. You go Calgary, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Now, history would indicate that you're going to probably win on Labor Day, no matter how bad or good the Bombers and the Riders are. But they got to reel off at least two of the next three here. Yep. And I don't know how... I, I, can they do that right now with this offense? I don't think so. I have no idea. It is. It's certainly not looking good. Um, I was asked before recording this podcast by friend of the show, Dan Plaster of CBC. He asked me, do you think the Riders win this week? Because, you know, you, you get those weird feelings sometimes when, and the Riders have done it time and time again, where it looks like everything is in the dumpster and they are just going to completely crap the bed and get annihilated. They somehow find a way to win a football game. He was starting to feel that way. I was like, not yet. Talk to me in a few days. Maybe that feeling will come around, be if this story gets weirder and weirder and things don't normalize, that, yeah, maybe somehow they'll find a way because that tends to happen in this league. But as of right now, if you put if you told me to make a prediction, which I, which I have to do tonight for the post that goes up on 3Down Nation tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just can't even in my right mind come to the thought that the Riders are going to win this game. You know what? I feel optimistic. And you know why I feel optimistic? Because you're a maniac? Because I'm going to be there on Sunday, and I'm going to have a two-foot-long chili cheese dog in my face. And uh, you know what? When you get two feet of dog and chili and cheese and probably a couple cold ones, you don't care who wins Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.